Somalian Prime Minister kicked out of office in a surprise vote of no confidence. Israel and Hezbollah exchange gunfire along the northern border. Germany rejects the call for Russia to join the G7. And Tom Hanks becomes a citizen of Greece. This is the world at large, and we are Politics 1001. Um, uh, um, uh, um. Uh, um, Thank you for tuning into The World at Large, brought to you by Politics 1001. Before we begin, just a quick reminder to give us a follow, share this with a friend, and leave a review. Please enjoy this episode of The World at Large. All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the World at Large. Woo! I'm here with Josh. Hello, my name everybody. is Ian, and there seems to be something going on with Somalian politics. My personal favorite. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why are you enlighten us, Josh? Uh, I'll, absolutely. So, Somalia definitely looked on in the world, especially in the West, as more of a violent country. Mm-hmm. Um, especially has come to light through Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, um, who's very, very famous in the U.S. Uh, for a variety of reasons, but she did come from Somalia, so from that region of the world. And this is a country in the Horn of Africa, and they just held a vote in the parliament. Crazy. So that's crazy. Okay, so let's let's talk about that vote. So former Prime Minister Hassan Ali Khaire has been voted out of office in a vote of no confidence. Oh. This vote was it was not some slim, barely losing vote. No no no. No Ian. It was 170 to 8. He oh, wow. Was, he got the 8. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess he was just really very unpopular. I, I guess um, you could say people weren't very confident. Oh, God. I couldn't have used the word better myself. And so the Speaker of the House, Mohamed Mursal Sheikh, has urged the President of Somalia to appoint a new Prime Minister as soon as possible. Specifically, he said in a statement, and I quote, The government has failed to fulfill its national promises, including holding one man, one vote elections, and establishing a national security force capable of tightening the security. So, of course, when he's referring to this national security, he's referring to al-Shabaab, which is a, how you say nicely, an ISIS of East Africa, in that they kind of go, (laughs) and so they go around and they terrorize people and they... they, As the name implies. Yeah. And they grab, they do the whole ISIS thing where they take all the food and they grab it from international organizations, bring it in, they take the shipments, and then they go to people who have no food and they say, if you join us, we'll feed you. And so, wow, yeah, so so they're like a little militia, uh, essentially, and they're very, they they are most prevalent in the Horn of Africa, specifically Ethiopia and uh, this country, Somalia, are the ones that are having to deal with this the most. More Somalia, Ethiopia is a little bit more strong, so the Somalian central government has been struggling with this. And all these bombings, you see a lot of them have to do with Al-Shabaab. And so, Somalia, weirdly enough, has had over 10 prime ministers since 2004, which is crazy, because that is a lot of prime ministers. Um, That is a lot. Most of them have only served one term. A few of them, like our friend here, Mr. Ali Khaire, were voted out of office in no-confidence votes, because all of them failed to address the central issues of Somalia. And so, like I said earlier... This is not uncommon. Um, however, this was very unexpected because no confidence votes usually just don't come out of the blue. And you right. saw this just happen. Really? Right? And so. Surprise? Surprise? Well, there is a little bit of 
speculation as to why they did oh. this. We'll get to that in a second. However, first of all, let's go over Prime Minister Hassan al-Khairi's history. So he was act- he's actually Norwegian. He's half Norwegian. And he was a like an oil tycoon um, official or something like that. And he moved to Somalia and he became this... He became the prime minister of the country, and he openly wanted to become the president of the country. Um, and the president, it's often a lot more ceremonial. The prime minister usually has all the power invested right. in him. This is common with a lot of parliamentary governments. And so he was vying for that position of president. And the president, current one, he did not like that he, that El Khairi was vying for his position. He wanted to stay president. He's yeah. like, I don't want anyone else doing this. So, according to a lot of analysts in Mogadishu, the capital, um, they worked together, the president and the Speaker of the House, to get rid of El Haire. And so they voted, they had this vote of no confidence, 170 to 8. So again, it's very, it's very um, rare that you see such a big vote, like such a crushing defeat in such a little time period. Because he didn't have any warning. Like, El Haire hasn't even released a statement because he didn't see this coming. Um, Wow. And so... You don't see this very much. So a lot of people are like, oh, well, maybe the speaker and the president are working together, maybe bribing officials, who knows. But they're getting them to vote against the prime minister because they don't like him or something. And, they, and the president is feels threatened by him and he wants to take his position. Now, Khairi is very open about this. And so, yeah, because there was no debating on the floor. There's no ne- there's no negotiating. You're just kicked out of office. Just like that. And so, uh, bye, Al-Khairi. And so... That is what you're seeing. But it's very clear that Al-Hayre, again, wanted to be president, which is why many people are arguing that that the president was so swift to accept the end of his term as prime minister. Because the speaker has to go to the president and he has to tell him, can you please appoint a new prime minister? Can you please accept his resignation? And the president immediately did it. He's like, yep. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sounds like a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's gone. And a lot of the ministers of Al-Hayre, specifically the former minister of in- internal security, I believe, was absolutely calling this out. He was like, this is ridiculous. This is a political scheme. They're trying to get us out of office. I will not accept this. However, <laughs> it seems like they're going to be accepting it. Um, it doesn't really seem like there's much they can really do. No. And yeah, I mean, w- with that, Somalia is definitely not in a state of no. goodness right now. Uh, it, obvi- obviously, they still have this Al-Shabaab problem. And because they've had t- 10 prime ministers over the years, it seems like none of them have actually been able to deal with this over-looming issue that is right. a-, a terrorist, literal terrorist group on your border. The Somali army is pretty, is pretty. Um, there's a lot of corruption within the ranks. Right. And internal security in general is quite awful for the normal citizens. Although you do see a lot of people migrating to Somalia. Um, you see this whole Somalian exodus well, exodus from other countries going to Somalia and coming back. Similar to what you see in Israel with the Jewish people, there's Somalian people coming back to their country and kind of reclaiming their homeland. And yeah, so you see this entire wave of immigration. So with that, very interesting, but yeah. we are going to move on, Ian. Yeah. So oh, great. What, <laughs> yeah. what, what do we have next? Let's take a look. Oh. Hezbollah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Israel. So, Israel and Hezbollah. Doing a little bit of fighting. Oh, well, really? Never heard of that before. Mm-mm. Me neither. However, they are do they they do be like that sometimes, and <laughs> this is no unique scenario. Please never say that again. <laughs> and so, exchange and fire happened along the Israeli border. Usually, Hezbollah, the leader, says, "My high and tidy to southern Lebanon," and threatens Israel and says, "We're going to destroy all of you and kill you." And then Israel's like, "I dare you," and then it usually sits at that. However, 
Israel did a little bit of a bombing raid in, in the south of Damascus, targeting Iran and Iran-backed groups, which Israel hates Iran, if you didn't know. And so they were targeting Iran-backed groups, and a Hezbollah fighter was caught in the crossfire, and he died. And so Hezbollah vowed revenge, and mm-hmm. so they opened up, so they started attacking Israeli troops in the northern border. Israel wow. says that they thwarted an invasion, um, but Hezbollah really just just they start exchanging fire. They do this every single time one of their soldiers dies. Right. Um, this was no surprise. I mean, Israel reinforced the northern border a few days ago, uh, expecting exactly this. And yeah, it, that, that is what you see. And so um, as the statement was released by the Israeli army following this, just if you want more specifics. So, and I quote, following the security incident in the Mount Dove area, residents are asked to stay in their houses any kind of activity in open areas is forbidden. And this isn't about coronavirus. Mm-mm. This is because they do not want their citizens getting shot by a bullet or bombed or a fair, mortar shell. Uh, yeah, there's definitely some things to be concerned about. And <laughs> Yeah, stray bullet. <laughs> yeah. A stray mm. bomb. Yeah. And so um, the Israeli... Well, ask help you. Hmm. So the Israeli soldiers are, staying in, uh, are telling them to stay inside, and you do see this exchange of fire. And this is kind of building on a, a lot of tension that's been building in the last few months. Israel and, and Hezbollah has gotten a lot more powerful after they really? were after they were brutally defeated in the Lebanese in the last um, Israeli invasion of Lebanon. Um, it, it, I mean, they were absolutely massacred. Hezbollah was just thrown into a, a array of mess, and they've had a while. And they've rebuilt themselves, and now they've really built up a, a strong army once again, and it's starting to threaten Israel. Um, most Israelis do not believe that's actually going to threaten their sovereignty of their country, but Hezbollah could put up a fight. And so this is very scary for many people who live on the northern Israeli border because they would be the ones getting hurt. Right. And they'd have to stay in their houses. Yeah. <sighs> Coronavirus and by ha- and bullets coming in. When do I ever get to leave? <sighs> yeah. And so Hezbollah has actually said that Israel started this. Like a few officials said that. Um, so uh, most, but, but according to most Lebanese and Israeli sources, both. Uh, Hezbollah started it, uh, according to them. But Hezbollah, some of them are saying, Israel attacked us, and just wanted to point that out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It always seems like there's a lot of finger-pointing with these type of situations. Very hard to discern the truth. It is, sadly. But luckily, folks, we have Josh here to enlighten us. (laughs) Me and my expertise. And so, um, (laughs) yeah, Hezbollah did shift this blame to Israel. However, the leader of Hezbollah came out and said a war between Israel and Hezbollah is extremely unlikely. It's not going to happen. We're just vowing revenge. Look, Israel, I know. I know we attacked you. I get it. I get it. Look, I understand. However, we don't have to actually go to war over this. Just let me shoot a few bullets in there. I have to burn off some steam. And then we can be back to threatening each other about killing you. Mm-hmm. And then we're all good. But I won't actually act on it unless you kill one of my soldiers. Oh. And yeah, I mean, that's pretty much how Israel operates. You see that with Hamas also in the Gaza Strip. Yeah. Um, it's just back and forth. You kill, I kill. You kill, I kill. And you. <laughs> yeah. It's certainly not a comfortable situation for either side. No. But with that, we're going to move on. Good luck, Israel. Good luck, Hezbollah. Hopefully you guys can solve your problems. Now, <laughs> let's go over to some... <laughs> we'll o- see. Let's go to some other news. We're going to go over to another African country, Tunisia. Ooh. Ooh the former site of Carthage. Oh, yeah. I really want to go to Tunis because I want to see those Carthaginian ruins. But anyways, this has nothing to do with that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for the information, Josh. Yeah, I'm just interested. Um, so, <laughs> listen, I'm going to botch his name, but Hechem um the former minister of Tunisia, the former interior minister of Tunisia, has now been appointed to serve as the new prime minister of the country. Woo! 
Congratulations, Wakiki. I'm very happy for you. Um, He has a month to form a new government, and it will likely have to be a coalition since no party in the last election got anywhere close. Uh, In fact, it was... It's interesting. I'm not really sure exactly how many seats there are. It's it's 207, 217, something like Uh that. Um, I could be wrong, but it's something like that. And the, la- and the biggest party in terms of seats they took was like 58. Um, and you need a majority. So they were like halfway to a majority. So that that's really bad. <laughs> and so, yeah, no one was really close to that. So Mr. Mahiki is going to have to form some type of coalition if he's going to want to actually run Tunisia the way he wants. Um, and yeah, the, he's backed by the president. Apparently he was the president's counselor or something uh-huh. um, before. And he counseled him in terms of, like, how to spend his money, how to just be a good president, how to stay calm. It's stressful being the president of Tunisia. And yeah, well, it's <laughs> stressful being the president of any country, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, I've never been a president before, so I, I won't speak on yeah, that. Yeah, I know. But... And so... <laughs> um, <laughs> Way to rub it in my face. <laughs> a lot of people are a little suspicious. Why? Wait, wait. So you were the counselor of the president, and now you're prime minister? Hmm. Mm. I'm sensing some favoritism here. Mm. But anyways, <laughs> uh, just thought I'd point that out. Anyways, let's move on to Germany. Um, good luck, Mahiki. Hopefully you can form your government. Yeah. We'll tell you if you do in a month, okay, guys? All right, so Germany has rejected a call from the U.S. president, Donald Trump, to invite Russia in, back into the G7. So the G7 oh. is more of an economic organization in which they discuss literally world economies, and they put most of their emphasis on oil and natural energy in general. Mm-hmm. So electricity and how you're going to power the world. Utilities. Yeah. And so that's what G7 talks about. And Trump wants to bring Russia back. And Germany's like, no, I, I don't want to do that. Because Russia has not met the demands of Germany. You see, Ian, they oh. have still not created a real... They still have not pulled out of Crimea. They're still there. And yep. they are also happening to expand their influence in the middle east they exist there Mm -hmm. Um, the russian army continues to be very aggressive in these places um and germany obviously recognizes crimea as ukrainian and not russian and russia is like no so they did negotiate a ceasefire however that does not actually solve the whole territorial dispute it just means they're not shooting at each other for like a few days um i mean that's somewhere at least but yeah, Russia has absolutely no intention of doing that. The Crimean people in general tend to believe that they are Russian. It's Really? Um, yeah, they, they don't actually want to be a part of Ukraine. However, Ukraine still recognizes Crimea as part of them. Um, but but that's Russia's justification. is Look, these people, they don't even want to be Ukrainian. So why should they? Why are we forcing them to do anything? We're not forcing them to do anything. They just they want to be Ukrainian. Or they want to be Russian. But ever the whole world's like, no. Bad Russian. You get out of this island right now. And so you, that is a big source of tension between the West and Russia. You do see some of these westernized countries trying to ease relations with Russia, um, right. trying to be nice to them because, like, we're not in the Cold War anymore. Like, you're you're yeah. no longer as powerful as you once were. Why don't we just become friends again? But then they do this Crimea thing. Then they do all this stuff in the Middle East and Libya, like sending mercenaries and whatever. Yeah. And so you're just you're just ruining the relationship. And now now they just can't work together. At least from the German perspective. But anyways, I'm going to read you a quote from Germany. Um, they said that, specifically, Moscow needs to, and I quote, solve problems such as those in um, Syria, Libya, and Ukraine. So I'm pretty much reiterating my point in that. Yeah, you are. Yeah, in that they just want to solve these issues. So anyways, um, we're going to move on now. Okay. Good luck. 
Trump, again, is not very happy about this. I do want to emphasize that uh, Trump does not like when Germany says no to him. And so I don't think Trump likes it when people say no. No, he runs a business. He's not used to that. No. And so and so Germany doing this probably probably going to make him a little bit angry. So hopefully they get bit. along. But nevertheless, they do not want Russia inside. And Germany's not alone in this. Uh, the other G7 members yeah. tend to not want um, Germany in, or Russia inside the organization because of tensions. And so anyways, we're going to move on to our last story of the day. It's kind of cute. Um, <laughs> Tom Hanks. And oh. his spouse, Rita Wilson, have become citizens of Greece. Yay! Yay. Oh, traitor to America. <laughs> and so, uh, we're going to read a statement from Tom Hanks um, while he was in his... Well, he was he was posing with Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis. You oh. can see it on Twitter. They're like, they're all around a, they're like around a fire. It's dark out. It's nice in the sky. And they're all smiling, looking at the camera. Mitsotakis and his wife. Um, wow. Tom Hanks is holding Rita Wilson and they're, they're all smiling at the camera it's, it's kind of cute and Aww. so um, he says and I quote Greece is a haven I've been around the world I've been to the most beautiful places in the world none of them tops Greece that was an awful Tom Hanks impression hmm? I'm sorry I, um, to I wasn't trying to do an impression oh okay so <laughs> um, uh, well this means that Tom Hanks recovered from coronavirus he got it at the start of all this well naturally it's yeah. been a while it's been a few months it has been um it's so tom hanks is he, he's had a lot of islands in greece for a while i mean naturally he's very rich mm-hmm. and rich people tend to do that type of stuff and so he, he has an island he has a lot of islands in greece he finds it beautiful he wants to live there and if you're rich in greece it's pretty nice and i guess he just wants to become a citizen he is ethnically greek if you're wondering they're not just giving him a pass to become a citizen like he 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 yeah. wants to go back to his culture he loves it um, he's always been a fan. He's been very outspoken about this for a while, but now this is kind of just making it official. Cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Yeah. So with that, um, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. But that is all we have for you today. It is. Alas. Alas. So we hope you have a great day. Yeah, we do. Continue to learn about the world because Politics 1001 can only do so much. But what we, we do do is a lot. Well, we could do more if you share this with people. Oh, yeah. Maybe subscribe. Oh. Maybe leave a review. Hmm. And when we say review, I don't just want those five stars. I think you should type something out. Yeah, we would love it. Unless it's one star, then don't do that. Don't do that, please. <laughs> it hurts my ego. It hurts Ian so much. I hate seeing Ian sad. All right, we're going to stop talking. We hope you guys have a good day. We will see you later. We are Politics 1001. Goodbye.